1: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Dr. Chris Brady. Chris is the founder and president of the Brady Group. Dr. Chris propels dentists and their teams to achieve their greatest revenue potential through growth strategies. He teaches the essential skills of selling, leadership, management, and communication that enables dentists to build their dream dental practice. Chris, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Glad to be here with you today.
1: Now, you have a really fascinating story, so I'm going to give the Reader's Digest version, but you got to jump into the details. You were a practicing dentist. You started coaching, basically quit dentistry for 25 years. And distant coaching. Then, seven and a half years ago, got back into dentistry, and so now you're a dentist and a coach. Is that correct? That's exactly right. It was uh, it was quite
2: an adventure, but it was it's been a good ride, a really good ride.
1: Well, give us the details. Tell us kind of what's going on. Tell us how that happened.
2: Well, I started a practice from scratch in 1984. Went to Baylor College of Dentistry and. Had an opportunity about ten years into my practice to become affiliated with a, another coach, a dental coach that I had taken his program and found great success. And basically, I sold my practice, worked part time for about ten years back in the practice, and then quit dentistry except for occasional, you know, family day or something like that at my my uh, former practice. But well, I had a, a client unfortunately that passed away from cancer, and the family said, would you please buy the practice? And I said, you know, I already have a job. I'm a consultant coach. But they kept, were very persistent. And, and I decided that I would kind of help the family out, buy the practice, flip it, move on. And I'm seven and a half years later, I'm still working in that practice. <laughs> it kind of, I don't know, kind of hogtied me, I guess, a little bit in there. And, and so it's been good. It's been really good. And the part of the reason I like doing that is because now I can practice all the stuff that I talk and I can get new ways of approaching things. I mean, even last month, I came up with some stuff that I hadn't even thought of or known before just because I was in a practice. So it's been real rewarding for me.
1: Well, let's talk about the Brady Group and what you do in your coaching and consulting, because for you to leave practicing dentistry and go full-time consulting after 10 years is very impressive. And you were telling me offline, some of the things that you guys help people do. So kind of tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Well, the Brady group is we've
2: never wanted to be the biggest, you know, out there, the corporate out there, but we're interested in, in finding good dentists that do good dentistry clinically, but also are interested in just maximizing the, the just a the satisfaction, financial, obviously, but even just the satisfaction of having something that a relationship with a patient that you just don't find in everyday practice, especially in the, in the world of corporate dentistry at this time. And so what we do is we take a practice, we look at it and determine exactly what it is that the doctor wants to do. Uh, and to be honest with you, a lot of times dentists don't know what they want. They really don't. And so we coach them through that process of discovery. To find out, okay, what direction do I want to be? What do I want every day that I show up to my practice? What would I like it to be like? And it's really interesting, the differences in, in, um, in what happens. And, and it, it's not about being busy. It's, it's about being profitable. And so once we can get out of that busy mentality, all of a sudden the profit starts to happen. Most of the practices that are successful, when we start with them, in other words, financially, they seem to do, be doing pretty well. We have to slow the dentist down in order to increase the productivity and reduce the overhead. So that's really rewarding for us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not just in dentistry, it's in life. Just because you're moving and you're, quote, busy doesn't mean you're productive or profitable.
2: Yeah, exactly. We, and we're finding that a lot of dentists are really approaching burnout that's been for quite, you know, almost 30 years that I've, I've coached, but it seems like the last uh, five years or four years, even that it's really tough. It's, it's tough out there because I have dentists come to me and say, man, I'm on this, this uh, you know, treadmill and I can't get off. What do I do? And I'm, you know, the PPOs are taking over my practice and I've had to hire more staff and all those things that uh, we kind of have been taught to believe that this is how it's supposed to be, but that book called "This Is How It's Supposed to Be" we've thrown that book away. We've said no, it doesn't have to be that way, and so we've created again systems that will streamline things. You get more benefit from the you know each patient, and again in a financial way, but also in a relationship way. And so we do more dentistry on fewer people, and that's not always uh, you know well thought of in dentistry today.
1: Well, you mentioned something a second ago, talking about the PPO and the insurance world, and and you're a big fee-for-service guy. And so talk a little bit about that, because that's a daunting thing, because there's so many practices are dominated by insurance. And the thought of going fee-for-service sounds like an impossible dream for some of these people. I've talked to some of them. So talk about that for a minute.
2: No, you're exactly right. And I guess the one of the first things I'd like to say is that, in my opinion, you know, 90 percent of dentists could do what we do. It doesn't matter you know, where you came from, what language you speak, whatever. I mean, if you have people in your practice, actual human beings as patients in your practice, this system works because it's about people. And people will come in and, and you know, and they always ask me, and sometimes they've already found out from either our website or from talking to the front desk person, but they always say, well, you know, I know that you don't accept my insurance, Dr. Brady, but what will my insurance pay? And again, every dentist gets that question. What will my insurance pay? And so we think that the patient is saying, I won't do dentistry unless my insurance will pay for it. And there are a few people that are like that. But my favorite answer to give them is when they ask that question is, I don't know. And that's all I say. <laughs> I don't have to say, well, the insurance company won't pay this or, you know, insurance company, whatever. I, I mean, probably the best compliment I ever got was a, a young, enthusiastic patient. those early 30s, mid 30s. She came into the practice and she was you know, and I'm not the only guy that has this. A lot of dentists have this, but, you know, this patient was really glowing about how wonderful it is to come see you and the yada, yada. And I said, well, we love having people like you, you know, tell your friends. And she said, oh, I do. And then I was brave enough to say, well, what did you say? (laughs) Because I was, I was curious because she's quite a talker, you know? And so she said, I tell my friends that, Dr. Brady cares so much about his patients that he doesn't let insurance interfere with their health decisions. And, wow. and that just, that just floored me. I mean, I, I just had never thought of it from that perspective. And I had a husband and wife bring their little boy in yesterday for some stuff. And, and I'd met the wife, hadn't met the husband and, and kind of the same thing. He says, I understand you don't do insurance. And I said, I don't. And he said, why? And I just sat there for just about a half a second. He goes, well, I know why you don't do it. I don't blame you a bit. And he answered his own question to me. So I think there's just a big myth that if you don't accept insurance, you're not going to be successful as a dentist. But that's just a bunch of baloney. It just is not true. You have to change how you think, number one. And maybe more importantly, you have to change how you communicate. And as dentists, we've been taught to be in charge of the the patient's health and their care. But really, what we do is we turn it over to the patient and we ask questions like I asked a lady yesterday, she's going to do a, I don't know, $50,000, $60,000 case with me. And, And I just started out the conversation, just say, what level of dentistry are you interested in achieving here? I said, how nice would you like it to look when we finish? And she said, I want it to be perfect. I want it to be Beautiful. And she just went on about all the stuff. And that was probably way more than I would have told her she quote unquote needed. But by opening up the conversation, by getting them involved, getting them involved in, in their treatment decisions, regardless of what insurance uh, says or doesn't say and pays or doesn't pay. It really is interesting. And she even just said, she said, I know this is going to be expensive, but she said, I guess we'll just have to take it out of investments. Well, Again, I don't handpick rich people to come to my practice, but it's just interesting to see the mentality of people and what words come out of their mouth when you give them an opportunity to share what it is they want to have happen. We put the
1: patient in charge. So when you do fee-for-service, like you talked about, which all those big cases are fee-for-service anyway, I mean, insurance isn't covering a $50,000 job, but but when you do fee-for-service, you can do you can make the same or more money seeing less patients, correct?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And if I'm not seeing 80 patients a day, but I'm seeing 40 patients a day, half that, and making the same amount of money, I'm probably not going to get burned out. Is that a fair statement, Chris?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely and and even more days off. I mean, we basically present You know, I'm presenting our Mission Possible seminar coming up at the end of the month. And and we have a mixture of dentists that have been with me and the coaching program for 17, 18, 19, 20 years. And then I've got some people that are brand, brand new that have never really heard much about me before. But the first thing that I do is I go over how much time do you want to have off? Because most of them are lucky if they get two weeks, but we we get them down to about at least six weeks of vacation as a very, very minimum to start to take six weeks off. And the, then it's just about pass out the new ones. And then the the other guys will raise their hand and say, OK, if you'll do that, you'll produce more dentistry. And nobody ever believes that because we're of the mentality that, you know, we're like farmers. I, I was raised on a farm and the only way we made more money is if we worked harder, longer hours, et cetera, got more acreage. But with dentistry, it's different. It's very unique. It's very individual. And so, yes, prevent burnout by doing bigger cases. And it's not all about the $50,000 case. Don't get me wrong on that because sometimes people say, well, I don't even know how to do that. And that's okay, too. But, but the, the point is, is you just get a lot more $5,000 cases or $7,000 cases. And you'll be amazed at how many people will do that, especially if you take insurance out of the game. That's really
1: key. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're 100% fee for service. The people you work with, are they going from 100% insurance or 80% insurance to 0% insurance? Or are they going from 80% insurance to 40% insurance? What what are you typically seeing? Well,
2: we find that most people uh, that come to our practice have dental insurance. And we help them you know, file a paperwork and some things like that. Give them the information that they need to file it if they, if they if they choose to do it that way. But we find that when you give people what they want, not what the insurance company tells them they should want, all of a sudden it empowers them and you get a much more committed patient. Their compliance is better. Their home care is better. And and they just become a, a better, more committed person uh, in your practice, which is, you know, very rewarding, and the other part about this, I will say, is that I don't know of a dentist that went to school that when they they dreamed of graduating, getting out of insurances, that their patients would come and say, you know, I heard about you, the fact that you accept my insurance, and that's why I came to you. You know, we work too doggone hard as dentists to get to to have that kind of the reason people come to see us, and if you take that insurance out, then all of a sudden there's a huge factor in the fact that they chose you because of your reputation or because of who you are, what you believe in, or how you talk to them. And it's, it's really exciting because all of a sudden they feel, you know, better about themselves and they gain more confidence as opposed to, well, the reason these people are coming to see me is because I'm on the list.
1: So absolutely takes a mindset shift to go from insurance to fee-for-service. Now, how long does it, does that mindset shift take, I mean, I assume for some people, it's much quicker than others. But if I came to you, and I was a dentist, and I was 100% insurance, and I said, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I want to be 100% fee for service, how long would it take to make that transition?
2: Well, you're exactly right in the fact that the, everybody, it's a little bit different. But the one thing I would say is that people come in and we obviously would evaluate the practice. We've got to look at their overhead. we got to look at where their patients are coming from. We've got to look at their team, what their level of skill is, uh, those kinds of things. But basically, what I try to, to tell them to do is to get the systems into place first. Don't just write a letter to all your patients and saying we're getting off of insurance. That's That's suicide. And so I would say kind of average people can start to do it after they've been with us, say, a year or so. And that may seem like a long time, but there's a lot of mind shifting that has to take place. Some people can do it more quickly than that. We, we've got a, a, a couple uh, up in the Northwest that, that um, came on and, and they were just crazy busy uh, producing a, a whole lot of money, you know, with all these insurances and all of a sudden they started dropping insurances and within the first year, their their uh, production went up about $800,000 per in, in that year. And so they did it very, very quickly and the results have been tremendous. And so it's just, it's but it's a little bit scary. We're there to hold their hands. And so, you know, <laughs> we, we want to be, fit them to feel supported through this whole process. And we don't want to jump off the cliff you start out, you know, eliminating the worst ones first and, and go from there. But to typically the time frame is between one and two years. Most people can make a significant drop in the number of insurance carriers that, that they're, they participate with.
1: Because in the physician, in the medical doctor world, I've talked to physicians and I say that practicing medicine is the career of diminishing returns because Medicare reimbursements always go down. And then all the health insurance companies just follow Medicare's lead. I've talked to doctors recently who've said they haven't had a raise in 10 or 15 years. It's because of the reimbursements. Now, they tried to put you know the government involved into a dental world a year or two ago. It didn't work out. But it's only a matter of time. I mean, insurance companies are insurance companies. They're going to reduce their payouts. And I recently went to my dentist for my biannual cleaning or my semiannual cleaning. And uh, it used to be I paid eight bucks. Well, this time they'd raised their rates in October. My insurance hadn't raised how much they cover. And I paid 40 bucks this time. And so I paid it. It didn't matter. And so uh, insurance just sounds like it's death by a thousand Mm -hmm. cuts if if you live in that world.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, I wrote an article for Dental Economics a few years ago and it was how to get how to get off the insurance merry-go-round and the analogy that I use is it's sort of like me wanting to play in the NBA, you know, I'm 5 feet 10, I'm a a slow white guy, you know, I can't jump and it doesn't matter how much I practice, I could hire the best coach in the world to coach me, but I'm never going to play in the NBA because it's a game that's beyond my ability. To, And dentists can't play the insurance game and win. You're just not going to win. And it's a slow death, like you said, by a thousand cuts. And it it just is going to go every year, the reimbursements go down. So do you suppose that maybe that's the insurance company's plan?
1: It's their business model.
2: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it gets, it's frustrating for dentists. And, and so what do they do? They, they're they told by the insurance companies as well. You just need more new patients. No, you don't need more new patients. You know, mm-hmm. I had, if I get 15 new patients a month, I am just tickled pink because there's plenty of money coming out of those people. Plus, you know, people already have in, 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 uh, in my practice to be able to support my family and I very well. And so it's one of those things that Dennis just has to change how they think. It's not about more, more, more. It's not bigger is not better. I've got, actually got a friend that I found out just the other day that's in trouble financially, and, and he's because he's grown. He's grown. He's got all these locations and all this kind of stuff, and everything just gets bigger, bigger, bigger. But it's beyond his ability to manage, and that's something that Dennis don't think about very much.
1: So, what's the value? of your average patient versus someone's average patient who takes insurance?
2: Well, I look at it, the the measurement that I use that's very similar to what you're asking is the dollars per patient visit. And to me, that probably is a little bit more accurate. It lets me know how well I'm doing on on a lot of fronts, you know, case acceptance, all that kind of stuff. And so I like to see the practices close to two grand per patient visit. And doesn't matter the hours necessarily, but if you get a patient in and you get, you can average two grand per patient visit, you're cooking pretty well. And most docs are below a thousand, probably five to eight hundred range. Usually is typically what we see. Yeah, so- I've
1: heard I've heard the six and eight hundred dollars numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah, and that's so you're literally two to three to four times that. Right.
2: Right. That's the direction that you'd like to go. Because again, you, you have to look at what the pace of the office is. And if you can slow down, see one patient at a time, it makes a difference. And people are longing for that. We have a lot of people that come and they say, gee, I've never been able to sit down and visit with my dentist. You're really a nice guy, you know, and my dentist or my other dentist who, when I left, you know, I never, I saw him, but he was just running in and out and say, well, yeah, everything looks fine. Or you got a tooth that's broken and move on. But we just make sure that we take plenty of time with the patient. We listen to what's important to them. And then we try our very best to give it to them. And that's really kind of the, the model that we use.
1: That's I mean, I mean, that's such so enlightening. It's like, you know, you're crazy to accept to accept insurance, but that's the way everything is done. And it's so contrarian to not accept insurance that you'd be like they, they think you're an idiot. Like if you're starting your practice brand new and you didn't take insurance, people would tell you you're absolutely just you're, you're setting yourself up to go out of business. But <laughs> but you've got to literally think differently, be a total contrarian. To kind of crack the code.
2: You do. And again, that's, I think, people almost don't believe me a little bit when I talk about, you know, how big my practice is as far as the number of patients, how little we work. You know, we work, I don't even remember, but we're probably at about 12 days a month now. And so, you know, it just doesn't take a lot of time and energy to produce a lot of dentistry. It takes a lot of thinking. It it takes a lot of self-improvement, frankly. In the communication department to let people know, you know, that the patient really needs to be in charge. And the more you can do that, the less you talk as a dentist, the more money you're going to make. And dentists don't get that. They're not that's not how we were trained. We're trained to sit down, look at somebody's their mouth and tell them what's wrong with them and you know, then try to get them to do it. And it just is so much nicer when we can sit down and ask, you know, bigger questions, I call them, and say, listen, how much you know, tell me what it is you're interested in. How can I help you? How do you see me as your dentist making your life better? And the patients are initially kind of shocked when they hear that, but they, it's really refreshing. And I tell them, you're the boss. I'm just here to help. You're the hero. I'm just the guide. And right. using that terminology, they like it and they get it.
1: Well, as we wrap up here, because this, this has been an absolutely fascinating conversation and you know, I'm sure light bulbs are going off all across the, everyone who's listening to this, so a couple last questions. What advice would you give to a brand new dental school grad?
2: <laughs> there's so many things in dental school that you don't that you don't learn. You don't learn how to run but, a business. You don't learn how to manage right. you don't learn how to handle finances. You know, yeah, communication, et cetera. And there's a lot of reasons why I could get on that, but I know we we have a, a limited amount of time. I could talk for two hours on that. But but really what I would say is that you can do it. That's the thing I'm saying. I would find, I mean, if my son were in dental school right now, I'd probably tell him to to uh, go be an associate with a private dentist somewhere. Find somebody that's successful, that's got it figured out and, and do it that way. The thing that's the problem, the big elephant in the room are just the f- amount of debt that these young dentists are are taking on to get out of, you know, to go through school. Yeah. And the corporate world, the insurance world is is a safe way to go. But I have seen articles of people that have done studies to show that you actually can do it more easily being in a private practice than you can be in a corporate practice.
1: Oh, wow. So I'm a big reader. I read a lot of books. I always ask people, what books do you book or books do you recommend or what have you read least recently that you found uh, interesting or helpful?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh, the one I, <laughs> you're going to check with this, but this is really a great book. It's called The High Five Habit. And it, it was written by a, a lady. Her name is Mel Robbins. And she, she has some really interesting stuff. I won't spoil it, but that would be one. The other one, which is a standard for our, our businesses, is Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. Okay. And that that book has changed lives, literally, just because you, you see things differently. And that's kind of what it takes in order to, to be successful, is you have to look at the world differently.
1: Wow, that sounds like a really good one right there. So if people like what they hear and they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
2: Well, just go to, to uh, Rich Dentist Seminars
1: <laughs> or Rich so Dennis, Rich Is it richdentistseminars.com?
2: Yeah. That would be the easiest thing, or the, the other one is. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of our 800 numbers: 800 7239 Rich Dennis and Seminars then, is
1: easier to remember. RichDennisSeminars.com. Yes. Yeah, I hope that's
2: right. A, if it's that, not, Amy's Amy's going to kill me. Well, hold on.
1: Let me <laughs> let me check really quick while we're on there. So, uh, because sorry if you been. You could tell you're a business owner because you don't really worry about the, the small stuff. That's, I have too uh, many things so in my brain. This, yeah, this is you, Rich Dennis, Rich Dennis Seminar. Okay. This is, that's you for sure. So, okay, good. Well, well, Chris, this has been an enlightening conversation, very, very beneficial for our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on. Hey, you're awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brandon. Tune in next week for our next episode. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen
0: to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Expiration April 2023.
2: This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS Guardian or North Florida Financial. And opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. 2022-136157. Expiration 0424. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.